Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. This morning, we are in week two of a a series over the summer, and as you can tell by looking around, summer is in full swing. I mean, it it happens every year, no matter where you're at, when the sun comes out, you know, people travel. And so if if you miss a week, know that we will always be online. Those of you who are online watching, it's great to have you. We will always put it up on the podcast so you can catch up, but I encourage you, dive in with us. As a church, like this summer is going to be a powerful time to deepen a few things. We're in a series called Spirit Filled. And uh, I told you a little bit last year or last week, my, my background, I grew up Southern Baptist and the most spiritual thing we ever talked about were the fruit of the spirit. And that was like, you know, just like how I could be patient as a son because I'm, I had an anger problem growing up. And so patience was what we learned. And it was just this like, tangible thing, and it never stepped forward. But I told you last week that God has humbled me to realize how spiritual the fruit of the Spirit is. Like, if we are to grow as a church, there is an immense power that we have in the Lord with love. And so that was last week's message. We've been taking them week by week. Uh, We talked to the staff, like, do I want to, like, change up the order? And I'm like, actually, no. I want to, like, submit myself to the order that Paul gave, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so if you want to track out the summer, that's what we're talking about. All right? I didn't even want to order it, and it's it's been awesome because God likes to um, plan things out. And this week, talking about joy, I felt like it has been very um, apparent, our need for joy. And so this is where we're at right now. But I, I will tell you, um, maybe it has felt in your life like you are in or have been in for a while a spiritual food desert. Have you ever heard this word that's white, food desert? It's a common thing. A food desert is a sad reality in our, our world that there can be whole places that don't have access to grocery store. Not just like a store with food, boxed food, but fresh food. And I feel like sometimes our homes can be like a spiritual food desert where we are consuming things, but there were easy things that we could quickly consume and there was nothing of fruit. That we're, consu- we're, we're, we're filling our lives with things, but it's not spiritual fruit. And so uh, this past week I was praying and um, <laughs> my week was completely different than ever before. I, I was at a conference this past week. My wife was going to go with me. I am, I may look like an extrovert on the stage, but I'm an introvert. And if we're in a group of people, I don't want to talk to you. Like it's like, it's bad. I, like I deal with it all the time. So like I flew in a plane by myself, which all is just like, that's, that's, that's terrible. I don't like to go shopping by myself. I don't like to go to coffee shops by myself. I don't like to walk on a road by myself. Like it's just, and not like I'm, I just, yeah, it's weird. So here I am and my wife was going to go with me. She decided not to. So I was in a conference and uh, I am trying to pay attention But obviously, my whole week is messed up. Can't do sermon prep like normal. So here I am listening, jotting down, and I started just praying uh, and prayer journaling. And it turned from what my prayers were to what my thoughts were to what I was hearing. 
And this is a really cool thing. If you want to start the, the discipline of journaling and prayer, God can sometimes respond in your thoughts and just write them down. And so this is literally what I wrote down. I knew I was talking about joy. I had read some, some scriptures in my free time, which was minute at a conference. Eight hours of just nonstop meeting people. And I wrote this down. I wrote, my people are filling their time. My people are filling their schedules. They are filling their bellies. My people have been filling their thoughts. They're filling up their homes. They're filling their responsibilities. And I just literally kept, they're filling their resumes. They're filling their quotas. But they are tired. My joy has not been sustaining them. And I just was like, all right. In fact, if I could just ask a question over you, and this will be a question where you're going to have to raise hands. It's like a show of hands. How many of you have either said or thought a variation of this phrase this week? I'm just tired. Anyone? I'm just tired. Hey, have you been? I'm, it's been good. I'm just tired. Hey, like, what's going on with you? I mean, not much. Like, I'm just tired. I mean, nothing bad has happened. How has your week been? Oh, nothing. I mean, it's been a good week. I'm just tired. Just tired. I felt like as I was praying, the Lord just said, like, my people are filling their bellies. They're filling up their time. They're filling up their, their responsibilities. They're filling up their, their duties at work. They're filling up their homes with good things. Some of you maybe moved in and you're like getting to design and, and you're filling up things, but they're tired. They're tired. So get this, I was praying over this and it's really interesting. God was telling me that we fill ourselves with all these things, but the product that we profess is I'm empty. I'm tired. It's not enough. I feel worn out. What's the point? And it's really interesting. So before I get into joy this morning, I want to pray a scripture over you. I want to read this over you because this is what God is doing right now in this room. If you are a believer, this is something so beautiful that the Lord does over you. It is in Zephaniah chapter 3. We're getting a little OT this morning. Zephaniah. He says, the king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. Did you know the king of the world, the Lord, is in your midst here. So you shall not uh, fear disaster no more. You, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. Don't be tired. For the Lord your God is in your midst. He's a warrior who gives victory. He rejoices over you with gladness. He renews you in his love, and he exults over you with loud singing. I don't know what your week has been like. I don't know how many times you've claimed, I'm tired. I used to do that as a child, like, hey, hey, Greg, can you clean up after dinner? I'm just tired, Mom. Like, right, like, I'm tired. It's an excuse that we use why we don't feel like we should, you know, fully be in. I'm just tired. Do you know the Lord your God is in your midst, and he's exalting over you today? And so what we're going to learn from this, spirit-filled joy, if I can just speak this, you will come to see very quickly that joy takes the empty and fills in praise. Like over and over, joy takes what we feel is lacking and fills in praise. It's interesting because when you feel empty, you want to fill it with something. But joy takes this feeling and fills in praise. 
And it's something that we're going to learn over and over this morning. And your heart needs to know that your God, the Lord your God, is in your midst. So I want to framework this morning in a couple of ways. Um, we've been talking about the spiritual power, right, of the fruit of the Spirit, the power of joy. And that's where we're landing this morning. But when doing so, I want to own and understand the um, manufactured joy of the world. Because the enemy, if I could just speak this, he knows really well that without Christ, you are an empty vessel. He knows. The enemy knows that our fallen world is a cracked cistern that will never hold anything. Emptiness. There's a jar of clay. The enemy will prey on that belief. And so why uh, throughout our world is like, it, it makes sense. If I need joy, I need to fill my time with, or my, fill my calendar with a vacation. If I need joy, then I need to fill my belly with that food I've been craving. If I need joy, I need to fill my time, my, my, my life with friends who seem to care about me. I want to party. And so the, the enemy knows the empty cistern will just keep being let out. But the interesting thing is when we became a believer, that lie is so deep inside of us, like even me as a pastor, there are times when I feel like I'm, I feel empty, God. I feel like I just have to keep doing things to be good enough. Like I feel like I have to achieve more. Like you have to be more. And this lie is pressed in on believers. But can I just say the truth? Scripture says that you are a jar of clay filled with the glory of the Lord. You will never be emptied. You can be crushed. You, like you, you could be dropped, but it's not going to be crushed. You're going to be persecuted, but you're not going to be abandoned. Like you literally could be pressed on all sides, but there's no shattering that can happen because you're filled with something more powerful. But we overlook this all the time, and the enemy wants to press it. He's lying to us. Hey, you got to get better. You're missing out on this. You need to achieve that. You need to fill your time with this. You're feeling like you're not doing good enough, so do this. And so I have for you this morning three powerful effects of joy. That when we put them into perspective, when we, when we put joy on this, the anthem that it is, the spirit-filled joy, these three things are going to happen. So we're going we're gonna to hit them. I would encourage you to take notes, all right? Note takers, do it, all right? This first one, though, might be a little confusing, so you're going to need to write it down before we can get into it. All right, but it's the first one is this. If you want to talk about the power of joy, joy breaks our natural aversion toward pain. Like, I want you to just write that down, and then what you can do is probably underline natural aversion. That's a little strange word, but you can underline natural aversion. Write it down, and we'll talk about it. Did you know that you have a very natural aversion, which means uh, uh, like that, that's, the, that's the sound that aversion makes, uh, toward pain, a hardship, struggle. When you feel like you are in a storm, we all have this natural aversion to it. You want to run away. You want to fix it quickly. Joy is so intimately connected with struggle so intimately connected to struggle that when we try to minimize struggle, we minimize joy. 
Like, I, I'm, we're going to get into this a little bit more. Because I don't think we even realize this. Our, our hearts, they ache. When, an hardship, when a hardship comes, we want to fill our time. When you have a bad day, we're going to just pour that drink a little harder. Like, we want to satisfy. We want to silence things. We want to numb something. When a pain comes, we want to we act like it's not there. We don't want to talk about it. We want to fill up our thoughts with other things. We have a natural aversion toward anything painful. Always. This is why you want to spend time with friends who don't ask you the hard questions. (laughs) Think about it. (laughs) But when your pain is subdued, your joy is subdued. And so we'll give this a little bit more. And the reason is, if I can be honest, pain is the proof. This is like a, a literal thing. Pain is the proof of the world's spiritual hunger. Like that's suffering exists because sin exists. But pain, suffering is the literal proof of a need for a satisfier, like a need for a, for a God. Pain is the proof. And we can take that even further. Pain is the reminder then as believers of our hope. Literally, pain and joy are so intimately connected because pain reminds me that I'm needy. And pain also stands in great contrast to the eternal life I have. Because I know this disconnective, it's not yet here. And so it gives me hope. But can I tell you, our enemy literally hates, and this is the moment when he cuts in, is right in between those two statements. He cuts in. And so he does things like this. I don't want them to focus on their hope in the Lord. So I'm going to take this believer, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get them to physically subdue everything, and we'll call it joy. We'll call it joy. I'll give them a really heavy work week full of good tasks that they can do and be proud of. And they will have joy in it because they're doing what they love. But they're not once going to fall on their knees to their Lord. And they're going to call it joy. When an ache occurs, we're going to fill our time with people, but never talk about with the people the ache that's occurring but we'll call it joy because we walk away feeling okay. And this is when he cuts in. We want to fill ourselves with things that we think will sustain us, will numb us. <laughs> this is why you, I wrote this down. This is going to hit some of you. I'm sorry. This is why you will binge five hours on Netflix and call it joy. It is. It's why we do it. Because pain is the proof of our spiritual hunger, so he wants us to feed on something so that we don't remember our hope in the Lord. I mean, think about it this way. If you subdued your pain, you subdued your hunger. And if you subdued your hunger, it clouded you from remembering your hope. Right? I wonder how many of us walk around not hopeless, (laughs) but we act hopeless. You know, I'm just tired. That's a very hopeless claim. Maybe catch yourself when you say, I'm just tired. That's a very hopeless claim. It's not true. You're not just tired. There's probably something that you're not being honest about, but you're just tired. Like I've caught myself to, oh crap, I just said it to Kate. You know, like, why am I tired? 
what do I feel like is weighing me down? What am I excusing with this quick statement? It's hopeless statement. James says this, he says, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face a trial of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. You wanna know why trials are so connected to joy? It's because when we face trials of any kind, an obstacle, a let go, a failure, when trials come and you are let go of your job, when trials come and there's like, goodness, your roof is full of raccoons. Anyone else? When trials come and your sunroom smells like raccoon pee, consider it nothing but joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith, when, when you are in pain, it's not just like, it's, for, it's not so that you can forget it. It's so that you can realize that there is a faith in you that is growing. And as you endure, you will realize that you, what does it say? Lack in nothing. So you feel empty, but as you endure, you realize that you lack nothing. This is the power of joy. When I feel pain, I consider it joy because I have everything I need. I have everything I need. We change our go-to thoughts of what pain is. And so worldly wisdom, though, it says everything else. So we got to stop it. We got to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to think that thought. I'm not going to drink that much. I'm not going to just, just act like this. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm, going, I'm not going to watch that many shows. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to be like David, who said this in the Psalms. It says, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Your consolation. When anxiety was in me, my work didn't bring me joy. When anxiety was in me, that relief didn't bring me joy. That website didn't bring me joy. When anxiety was in me, that drink didn't bring me joy. You did. You did. You did. Because all those other issues will teach us to self-satisfy. I mean, how many, it's really sad. Our world has given us so many ways to self-satisfy. It has. Self-satisfying people are so hopeless. They're like a broken cistern. Self-satisfying people are so hopeless. But we have the joy of the Spirit, and there is eternal power in it. And honestly, if I can be truthful, we have too many churches who are full of people who are having aversion toward their own pain. And so they smile a lot. And that's not joy. I want to be a church, honestly, where people are okay with processing through their pain because they realize that that's the essence of where joy is. Right? Like, if you walk into a place and everyone is happy, like, they feel like robots because that's not human. But we are the only people in all of creation, believers, who have the ability to experience death and joy at the same time. Like, that's powerful. And so, like, I cannot, as a pastor, be considerate joy when I deal with your trials if I don't even consider it joy through my trials. <laughs> Think about it. 
I want to consider it joy when I get the opportunity to walk with you through an addiction. I want to consider it joy. And I want to teach that. But we got to start at home. And this literally leads us to the next one. And this one will make so much more sense. Number two, you'll, you'll connect with really quick. I don't even have to like, I don't even have to convince you. The power of joy also awakens our worship. It awakens our worship. Like the power of joy awakens something in you. You could call it one thing. Some of you, you're like, the reason I like Christians is they have this boldness. They have this confidence. They have this assurance. I could also say they have this joy. Like joy. Unscathed, unafraid joy. We call it confidence because the world doesn't know what happiness and pain looks like. (laughs) So they call it like, how could they stand up so strong? It's because the joy of the Lord is their strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and you can't access it apart from the Lord. Joy awakens our worship. This is the whole, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Some of you learned that song as a kid, right? It's a psalmist. (laughs) It's a psalm. But I think what hurts us when it comes to joy and worship, can I just like, this is, all, this is for Gabby's benefit right here. Um, when I, when I, our American culture has really damaged our view of worship. It has. We designate it to a Sunday. We designate it to a tune. We designate it to an experience. And so what happens is God could have done something really powerful in here. Let's say an individual comes up to another one and they say, man, worship today was powerful. What if that individual translated that as the song choices were good? That's literally what America would translate it. The songs were good. Those words were good. That's not worship. Worship was the the reality that that person who said worship was so good realized that the Lord their God was in their midst and they had joy. But what we got to realize is when you're driving to work, After having a flat tire, the Lord your God is in your midst, and you could have joy. When you're doing the dishes, the Lord your God is in your midst. When you're with coworkers, the Lord your God is in your midst. We've damaged worship, and so when the music stops, we don't have joy. But if I can, like, I didn't mean to, I didn't say this earlier, but I want to learn from the, the, the black church because historically they have done an amazing job at connecting suffering with joy. Their ability to say suffering, I've been mistreated, but I know the God who treats me well. And so I'm joyful. Like I'm getting chills. That's what I want to learn. Sometimes us white people don't even know how to own our suffering. And so then we wonder why there's those weird people being really excited. And we're like, they're just, they're weird. No, they're experiencing fullness of life. And you won't even talk about your suffering. You're so callous, so poised. Let's awaken some worship. Worship is sometimes unhinged, right? Sometimes causes us to cry, right, Gabby? She didn't plan to cry in front of people. It's not something you just turn on. 
It becomes, you become unhinged when you worship. But it's interesting, it comes from when we have this belief that God is in my midst. In this trial, he's in my midst. In this place, he's in my midst. He, and honestly, like think through this, men in the room, I need joyful men in the world. Because sometimes women seem to get it quicker than men. And you wonder why you feel disconnected when you go to a church. So this is like literally, can I just speak this over you? This is the day that the Lord has made. So I will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you ready? This is what I want you to do practically come tomorrow. God, you made this day. And if you made it, then you like planned it. And if you planned it, then there's going to be good things in it. And if I'm sustained in it, you brought me through the night to it, then there's good things for me to behold in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. If he has a day before me, then he's going to be working in it. So I will rejoice and I will be glad. We pause and have that thought. I made it through today so that I could worship the God who prepped this day. He prepped it. And if he prepped it, it's going to be good. And if it's going to be good, I want to see it. And if I'm going to see it, I'm going to scream for it. And if I see it, I'm going to let someone else know. Right? Like, I'm going to let someone else know. Because I'm going to rejoice and be glad. We, it awakens worship. But can I tell you, the enemy does not want to awaken worship. Hands down, no worship in you, in me, because when worship happens, chains break. When worship happens, like, uh, there is freedom felt. How many of you guys have silenced the worship of the Lord in your day? Like, let's just, we need joy. And all of this leads literally to the third point, and this is the most powerful, like, honestly, I I don't want to take lightly this last thing. You want to know why the fruit of the spirit of joy is so powerful? It's because joy has this uncanny ability to gather the lost. It gathers the lost. Joy. Joy gathers. Now, if I was God's enemy, which I'm not, but if I was God's enemy, I would tune in to everything he says as he tells his people, as Jesus speaks his people, what his plan is. So when Jesus speaks, hey, I've commissioned you to go and make disciples of all nations. As the enemy's here in this, he knows that the, the greatest goal of God's people is not just to worship the Lord, but in their worship, they draw people to do the same. They draw, you are to make disciples of all nations. That's not my job as a pastor. That's our job as the church. And that's the game plan. That's the reason. Make, draw people to the Savior. And honestly, the number one killer is a lack of joy. If you don't have joy in your day, you're going to be selfish. If you don't have joy in your day, then what you profess on a Sunday is not going to bleed through to your coworkers. He knows that the number one way to destroy their witness is a lack of joy. 
Think about it, because when they don't have joy, they'll start filling in everything else, which will then destroy their witness. Adultery will happen. Pornography will be rampant in their life. You, we talk about those things as destroying witness. No, lack of joy started many of it. Lack of this satisfaction in the Lord. Joy gathers the lost. Think about it. The woman at the well, she realized, I get to worship in spirit and truth. That woman dropped her water, like I just imagined, dropped her water and goes to Samaria. I met a man who knew everything about me. Like, I'm like, this is Linda? Like, she's quiet. Now she's not. She went to that time of day because no one else was there. And now she's coming into the city, bombarded, proclaiming, that's joy. Some of you need to be like Linda, like, for real, like, have you met a God who's done everything for you? Why hasn't your, oh, that's, why hasn't your job known about it? Sorry. If you met, <laughs> I'm not sorry. Why hasn't your job known about it? When the, uh, the, the lame man stands, he starts dancing. That's in scripture. He leaped for joy. People are like, is this the same man who is paralyzed? They start asking questions because joy gathers the lost and they're ready to hear. They're ready to hear. Joy gathers the lost people and they're ready to hear. They're ready to hear. Honestly, you not feeling joy at your workplace, like let's just talk plainly could be a number of things. It could be because God's calling you somewhere else, or it could be, it could be that you're called there, and your unjoy there is the enemy's press to silence your witness there. Maybe the reason you don't feel joy at your workplace is because there's lost who need to be gathered, and the enemy's doing really good at silencing your voice. Can I, like, if you don't feel joy at home, it might be because there's lost there. It might be someone who's lost, and the enemy's trying to silence your joy so that you're not the light of the world and your home. Like, think through this practically. Why don't I feel joy when I'm there? What is, what is the enemy doing? What is God saying? Is there something that I need to overcome in this? And so as I close, band, you guys can come up. As I close, I want to give you a picture of a lighthouse, okay? All right, everyone, like, this will help. Close your eyes. Think of a lighthouse. When you have that picture, you can open your eyes back. <laughs> Got a lighthouse? A lighthouse. The uncanny ability to always be shining bright, no matter what the conditions are outside. The lighthouse constantly lit. The joy of the Lord turns his people into lighthouses. Now, you might think I'm cheesy. How about we say this? The joy of the Lord turns his people into a city on a hill where the light can't be hidden. I think that's Jesus's word. So if you want to call that cheesy, take it up with someone else. But the joy of the Lord causes his people to be like a lighthouse. So when the world around is in a storm, they are not only given clarity by what you bring, but they're given hope that there is some way 
to not be afraid of the storm. Like a lighthouse brings people to the shore. A city on a hill tells everyone who's in the fog and the valley that there's a place to have refuge. This is a real, that's a spiritual thing. You have not stepped into the calling that you have at your job if you don't take ownership that you are a lighthouse. The joy of the Lord is your strength, so shine it that they can come home. There's a calling that you have in your home to not just be present, but joyful. Hide it under a bushel, no, right? (laughs) So God, right now where we are, I pray that we could be people who gather the lost. Pray that we could be people who showcase you despite anything. That we can say, even if the pantry is empty, even if the day was terrible, even if the tire got flat, even if this check never came in, even if I don't know what to do next, even if this, I will proclaim that today is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I'll be like the the Israelites who said, even when the sheep are not there, the cattle are gone. My strength, my sustaining ability comes from another source. So God, I pray that we will awaken worship, that people will be unhinged, and that the, the lost would be gathered. In your name, Jesus. Fill us with a spirit-filled joy. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.